Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. This morning, we're starting a new series for the summer called Retrospective, which literally means looking back so that we know where we're going forward. Now, that's important because in, in this church, the church has been established on strong and solid foundations. We've been here um, for 18, 18 and a half years and we, um, Sharon and I planted the church and we, we planted um, in 1996, in the 3rd of March, 1996, and we laid foundation stones to build a move of God. And during that time, God has been through the church and we've had extraordinary seasons and we've done extraordinary things and we've planted a number of churches and um, we've traveled the globe and a number of you have been with us as we've done all sorts of amazing things and, and God has enabled us to see a lot of people's lives touched, changed, healed, delivered and, and this coming autumn... Uh, we've got extraordinarily new. A lot of people will know a lot of the stuff. We've got teams going up to Inverness uh, as we're ministering into Inverness. And there's a lot going on in the life of the church. But to build and grow a church, you've got you've to expand. Neil said something quite profound that if you only build foundations for a one-story house, if you build something more on top of it, it will fall down. Yeah. And... Um, I remember that we had a, uh, when we used to live in Bridgeton, we had a house. Uh, and before we moved to a bigger house, the, the thought was that we could extend on the extension. There was an extension on the back of the house and we could just build on the, build on the roof of the extension. It was a single story extension and we could just put a bedroom on top of it. And that would solve some of the space problems we had there. Uh, but the question was, are the foundations strong enough? And then it would be, who knows? <laughs> we, we don't know when it, when it was built. And so then you would have to go to the council offices and find out. And in the end, it was just easier to sell and buy something else. And, but foundations have to be laid. And to build in the pattern in which we have built, we have to build the same foundations that have to be laid again and so we have to take the foundations that we laid with and lay them again that we may build a bigger broader stronger church amen and with this um with this uh, the holy spirit brought to me um some preaching some notes that i um that i had on my heart um dating between 2003 2005 which was a particularly important season in the life of the church and um, I went through those and I, I brought out um, a number of messages from that season and rewritten them um, so that they are relevant for today. It's not, I'm not just repeating an old message. And in fact, all the team over the summer, they're going to be preaching. Brian and Ruth are going to be preaching my old messages. And uh, so they're looking forward to it with great excitement. <laughs> No, I mean, normally I say, we, we have a chat and pray and say, this, these are the subjects that we want to cover. And then they go away and prepare it. But what's now is I'm just giving them the entire message, which is worse. Because it's like you haven't written it, you haven't thought of it, you haven't, and they're having to look at it, digest it, and then bring it out fresh. 
And um, so we're going to be uh, going through these messages. Um, and this morning, um, I want to start this series on retrospective by speaking about perspective. And this is a message I preached in 2003. And we'll read from Matthew chapter 6 and verse 22. It says, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, when Jesus was speaking this, he was actually talking to his disciples. This is part of a series of Matthew 5, 6, 7. It's the Sermon on the Mount, and he has his disciples with him. And he's speaking perhaps the most profound teaching you will find that Christ gives to his disciples are in these few uh, chapters in Matthew. And they're really important because they, they define how everything else works and functions in church life, our, our mind, our heart, our attitude, and how we ha- believe in God, and, and how we r- have a relationship with God. And, and Jesus says to them some really quite unusual, says, says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore the eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. And you can imagine them going, the lamp of the body is the eye. What, the real eye, is it a lamp? How does that work? Do I turn it on? Is there a wick? Is there... And you can imagine their brain just going through this whole process. How, how does it work? Because this is an unusual way of communicating. And see, Jesus is not speaking to them about their natural eye, but he's talking about what they see and how they see. And in fact, he's not actually even talking about what they see. He's speaking about how they see. And... You know, the amazing thing about lamps is that probably in the invention of electricity, the most important thing that has ever been developed for mankind is the light. You know, and we invent, we've, I mean, all of this, how much the world has changed with electricity, isn't it? And um, how many people watched that TV series, Downton Abbey? You watched that and, and it, was, it was quite, it was, yeah, yeah, I know, it's very hip, isn't it? And... Uh, So Downton Abbey, for those that you don't know, it's the story of, um, what's it? It's the story of a manor house uh, in the late 19th century, early 20th century with the lord of the manor and the servants that live in the manor and the story of them progressing through this very profound period in history through the First World War. And and, uh, it's it's quite an interesting sort of concept looking at how life was lived. And one of those was the, the... the, the um, house getting electricity put into the house and, uh, and how in the house they, they were just the idea that there would be electricity and you would use electricity to turn on lights that's all it did they didn't have anything else that electricity was useful for but lights and this is the reality that the lamp has changed everything it's changed um, how we do life it's, it's changed the fact it's improved Society, it's improved security. Dangerous streets are now not dangerous because they're lit. Um, Everything that was darkened and hidden has now been exposed. And so society has grown safer. Places have grown better. Things are cleaner because of a light bulb. We're able to 
spend time of an evening reading with a light bulb and not getting bad eyesight because you can't see. And there's so many different functions of life that are better because of the light. Well, Jesus is speaking about the most critical thing of our lives. And the critical thing is, is how the eye sees. Because how it sees determines what it sees. And you see, we think that we see something. But what we see is only a reflection of how we see it. And so what happens is that Jesus is speaking to them and he wants, to, he wants them to understand that we have to develop a good perspective from everything that surrounds us. That we want to develop a perspective that if we can see the things of God, then our life is filled with the things of God. The eye is the lamp. If you can see the light of God, then your eye is the lamp and the lamp illuminates the whole body. In other words, if you can connect to what God is doing, your whole life is connected to what God is doing. You move with it. If you can't see it, then there's darkness within your heart and you're stumbling around looking for the direction, looking for which way to go. And you know, traditionally, we've been taught as Christians um, about navigating our, our way through life that traditionally we've been taught Christians that, you know, don't see or go near bad stuff. All right, that's a traditional teaching. It's actually a really profoundly wise thing to do. If there's bad stuff around, don't look at it and don't go near it. <laughs> there's bad stuff on the internet, don't look at it. If there's bad videos on YouTube, actually, the, the problem isn't the, the bad sites that people talk about. It's the acceptable sites like YouTube. It's the it's the acceptable. There are stuff on Facebook. You go and you and I message the people. What are you playing at? Don't put that stuff on Facebook. I didn't want to see that. And there is stuff that happens in what we don't want to see. And so there is a wise principle: don't look at bad stuff because once when you see it, you can't unsee it. However, Jesus is talking about something that. That's even before that. He's talking about how you see. Because the person who sees with the light of God sees a different world. And that creates a different person. Now, um, Joe and I were just talking uh, in the car about how some people say that they have, oh, I've got, this is my mind or my life is like this because of my parents or because of this or because of that. We, we have, this is my life because, and we have these long reasons why I'm like the way I am. For instance, you know, we, genetically, you would look at your own features and know that you inherited them from your mum, your dad, maybe your grandparents, or maybe just a mix of all of them. Or maybe you're looking going, where did I come from? <laughs> and uh, there's, always, there's always one in the family as well. I'm the youngest of, of six, and, and I had a brother that was uniquely different. And uh, we were all dark-haired. My brother was blonde, uh, and he was, he was much more stocky than us, uh, far more muscular. Uh, and it was like, and he would, you know, we had sort of quite pale skin, and he would just go out in the sun and just go black. And it would be, <laughs> and it was just extraordinary. We'd go, where did you come from? <laughs> the fact that he was a twin was uh, <laughs> even more confusing. And, uh, yeah. 
And, um, and, so, and so we say, well, this is, I'm like, my physical body is like this because of my parents. But then we also associate um, our mind and our behavior and our actions because of the world that we grew, in, grew up in. And we say it's because of that, or it's because of this, or it's because of the other. But Jesus brings it back and says, it's none of those things. It's how you see determines who you are. And suddenly, everything becomes error. We can't avoid the responsibility anymore. We can't blame it on somebody else. I can't blame my father. I can't blame my grandfather. I can't blame somebody else. It's back to me, determined to how I look at life. And see, how you see, um, how you see is, is something which is incredibly subjective. There is um, an objective view and a subjective view. Objective is to just see a fact. Tonight we're going to watch the World Cup after church, after ministry. <laughs> after. <laughs> we're going to watch the World Cup. We're going to have the anointing and then we're going to have something else. And, and, we're going to, and that, when you watch it, you'll see something which is objective. You will see a team win the World Cup. And that would be a fact. But when we look at life, we look at it subjectively. In other words, we're looking at events and determining how we see or what we see, determining what we think is going on. Because most of life is a lot more complicated than just someone winning and not winning. When we're in relationships, we think we see something and we determine what we see. When we're in... When we're in um, different aspects of life, in work, in church, environments, when you're facing a challenge of faith, how you look at something determines what goes on in the heart. And so it becomes very subjective. In other words, it's your interpretation. It's why a witness in a witness trial, witnesses are just profoundly unreliable. Because if you get several people, they all say, well, I saw this. Well, I saw something else. I, I saw a man with a blue shirt. Well, I thought it was green. Who was, who was right? Why? Because it's subjective. In other words, it's what happens in a person's heart. It's what happens in a person's mind, sorry. Now, Jesus goes on in Matthew 7. So we're going we're gonna to go through to the next chapter. He's still talking to the disciples. And he says this, Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? But do not consider the plank in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look at... And look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye and then you will clearly see... You will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You see, Jesus is getting down to business and he's really saying to them, look, it's not what you look at, it's how you see it. And this is how the default mode of the heart of flesh, this is the man without God sees. This is how we see. We see it's somebody else's fault. We see something is wrong. We see other issues and problems. We were having dinner last night with Heidi. Heidi had her work colleague over for dinner and they were just talking about in work, they have a, uh, a form, a... It's not a. It's a compliment slip. It's not even a. It's a. It's a form you fill in for comments about where they work. And um, it's a cafe and a shop and and people can fill it in. But the only people who fill it in are the people who complain. 
So there's lots of people who enjoy it, but they never fill anything in. But lots of people, now I, I, when I was running a business, the, um, they always used to say that if something is good, somebody, if somebody enjoys it, they will tell two or three people. If someone doesn't enjoy it, they'll tell ten. <laughs> and, and this is the most amazing thing. See, see the, the, the default heart is to see a fault and magnify the fault because that defers the problem away from you and onto somebody else. It, it brings, but what that Jesus is saying is, if you see darkness, you have darkness. If you see a problem, the problem's in you. And that's, that's quite important because, because what that's saying, because you, you, you could well be seeing. You, Jesus says, you see the speck in your brother's eye. He isn't saying the, the speck isn't in his brother's eye. He's not saying that his brother doesn't have the speck. He, what he's saying is, you shouldn't be looking at that. Because that's not what you should, you should be looking at what is in your own heart. And so, how we, what we have to do is we have to, we have to learn how to deal with the heart. Because what we tend to do, it's the, it's the classic, sort of, I used to do this when I was a kid at school, it's, it's distract and confuse. If I can distract the people in authority over me from my own fault, I can confuse them and get away with my original crime. So if teachers would say, come to me and they say, Kevin, did you do your homework? Well, the answer to that is obviously no. Uh, because I never did my homework. I never went to any detention after school. I, I had a lot of detentions after school. I never once went to one of them. Um, I never once went to physical education in the last two years of school. There was a lot I didn't do at school, all right? So it's not, I'm not advocating this, by the way. Any children at school, I was bad. But what I used to do to avoid the trouble was to ask the teacher, Kev, did you do this? And I would come up with things like, this classroom is a bit of a mess. Why, why, why haven't we changed this? Or I would try and find another reason... <laughs> I would try and find a form of distraction which would knock them off. Now, most of the time it didn't work because they're wise and they, they just smart. It used to, I found the greatest form of distraction was actually compliments. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I, would, I would sort of compliments, but they weren't true. Actually, you have to watch that. People who give you compliments um, and then you know, people will compliment you. And I, we have a lot of people come and they just say, Pastor, you're so wonderful. And you're, you're thinking, what do you want? And, uh, <laughs> and, but it's not... I might be, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, if we receive lots of compliments, I've got myself in trouble, haven't I? And, uh, <laughs> but sometimes you just find people wanting to give. And I used to say to my school teacher, the teacher, Kevin, have you done your homework? And I had a, I had a form teacher and a music teacher. And they were both young uh, female teachers. And it's perfect setup for a uh, 14-year-old boy, and I'm going, but miss, I love you. <laughs> they would go bright red. <laughs> and <they're> <laughs> <laughs> works, every, works every time, boys. It works every time. And, and, uh, and then, in, and then if, if opportunity allowed, I would sing them a song. Generally... <laughs> Generally in an operatic style, because <laughs> I had training in such singing. So, 
It's called distract and confuse. It works every time. But you see, the issue really, what I was avoiding was me. I didn't want to look at me because I wasn't doing what I should be doing. I was constantly finding every imaginable solution. I would put more energy into not dealing with me than actually I would have to do to deal with me. And that is what happens when your world is dark, that you spend more time rummaging around in the dark than allowing the light of God to come in and cleanse you and bring redemption and deliverance. I want you to know that if you're prepared to look at your own life, you can be delivered in a moment rather than spending years stumbling and tripping over the troubles and issues of your own life. You see, we are here to walk in the light of God, which is a lamp unto our body. It says this in Psalms 121. It says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence my help from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You know, it says that you see a person who lives with a pure eye sees not only the best, but they live in the best. Now, that's different. Now, there are some people who have been a profound influence upon my life, and they have been so because we all live in the same world. You can't live in this world and not be exposed to some of the darkness. All right? Cheryl's grandmother was perhaps one of the purest, most godly women I ever had the privilege of knowing. But she lived in the same world. She was an elderly lady and we just kind of, we were just, you know, oh my word, because she didn't really, but she even had a television and we were always, always oh my word, she has a, a television. Um, and when she got a TV later on, she didn't get one until probably about five years before she passed away or something. Um, and so... And here she is, and, and, and I, we were kind of, oh my word, she's so pure, can she cope? But she stayed pure. It didn't change her. Why didn't it change her? Because she had a habit of looking at life that was pure. To the pure, all things are pure, the Bible says. In other words, how you see life determines what goes on in your life. How you look at others determines how you're going to be yourself. And there are some people who are profound because they're living in the same world with the same experiences and the same shadow and the same traumas and the same difficulties and the same opportunities to think and see that which is wrong, that which is bad. Have the same opportunity for a bad attitude. Have the same opportunity for something which is ungodly. Have the same opportunity but they don't respond to it because they see something else. And what they see is the Spirit of God. What they see is the Spirit of faith. What they see is a consistency of the Word of truth working in their life. Now, one of the most important things is that we have to understand is that the Word of God, the Bible says that the Word is our foundation, isn't it? And if it's our foundation, it becomes the thing upon which we stand upon. And I've found this, that we can be one of two people. We can be those who believe in God 
when things are good, but our confession shifts and changes when we are in difficulty. That we shift and change. We, we change our mind when things are changing. We change our mind when voices are speaking to our ear. We change our mind. But the word of faith keeps speaking the same truth. See, the Bible keeps speaking the same truth. And if we listen to the word of God, we keep the same pure, simple confession. And one of the things that, do you know, it's, it's one of my delights. We had um, Pam, Pauline and Bob over for lunch on, um, what day did you guys come over? On Friday. It was, it was a beautiful, it was one of the hottest days. It was unfortunately the same day that the farmer decided to spray the fields around us with manure. And uh, so it was an interesting day. We came back, we had to shower because your clothes smelled of it, your hair smelled of it. And we, the only, it was too hot to sit inside, so you're outside. And, but Bob, um, Bob came over. Phyllis is in Africa at the moment building walls. And uh, <laughs> she's now a builder. And, uh, and uh, she's got, she's got uh, uh, about five girls with her. They're about sort of 20, 25 years of age, and she's just mothering them. And, and, uh, but she's literally building walls in, 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 in uh, Africa at the moment. And um, while she's over there, Bob is up here. And I, I want to say that, see, see Bob uh, and Phyllis... Um, they were our assistant pastors. For those of you who don't know, they were assistant pastors for many years. Uh, and almost from the very beginning of the church, they, they came to the church. And this church is established because of their ministry and, and what we stood together. And so Bob, I'm showing Bob. Bob hadn't been to our house. And so I'm showing them the house and showing them the garden and walking around and just spending time and I'm listening to a man who I haven't spent much time with the last years because he now lives in Ireland and I'm listening to a man whose faith and confession and perspective is the same as it was that I've known over the last 20 years now this is one of the most important things you see because with a pure eye you're still we're all looking at the same thing but the people who have a pure eye have a pure heart the light fills their life and that not only changes their life but it also radiates over other people's now I'm enjoying being spending time with Bob and I enjoy spending time listening to to him just talking just chatting away because I'm feeling the radiation of the light that's in his heart now this is a this is a this is where we can choose because this is what we often do as Christians we come to church and we soak in the radiation of the light that is in the house because it's there but when we go home we don't take it with us because our eye still hasn't changed does that make sense and so what happens is that we because we don't change the way we look and see and how we see what happens is that we we take home darkness and so the darkness begins to come and you find yourself having to be back in the house of God before you can get any more light. Now it's important that we gather together like this because this is a, a precious time. And the, the Bible says, do not neglect the gathering together of the saints. So one of the most important things that you do is you gather together because it's where your source of food and encouragement and standing together, the church standing as one. 
But what we must understand is that we need to change. Look unto the hills. Those who in every situation, in every situation in life, whatever is facing them, where do they look? They look to the Lord. They look to God. They look to His promises. They look to the truth. They look to the Holy Spirit. You see, where is faith conceived? Where does hope come from? How do all of these things generate within a person? How do you stir that up? Because your eye sees the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ and it fills your heart and it fills your soul. And once it fills your life, light radiates out of you and it gives you a completely different perspective. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.